come about because this is the first time I think we've had a session where we felt that um, it would be good to um, have the men here from a feminine perspective and uh, and vice versa and, uh, and actually how this came about just to be clear I think if my memory serves me correctly I'm pretty sure it was my wife who was itching to tell your husband some things so um, and I think Carol I think Carol was game game enough to go along with it and um, which means that really Don and I are just killing time um, She's not entirely true, but funnily enough, I was at a conference recently, a women's conference, where they were having prophetic sessions where uh, these prophets were praying for different groupings. And while they were being prayed for, the rest of the conference were uh, just having some guy fill in time. And uh, it was funny because I happened to be at this conference for some reason or other. And, um, uh, and this guy, after speaking for about 50 minutes, said, I don't even know why I'm doing this. They just asked me to do it because I was supposed to kill time while these other people are being prayed for, you know. And it made me think, I thought, wow, you know, what, what I could have done with that time. Um, you know, like to have an opportunity to address my sisters in the Lord, you know, is such a unique thing, isn't it? So, um, so we felt it would be really good to um, just have an opportunity to share some things that perhaps uh, we wouldn't necessarily share in the, the grouping altogether. And uh, hopefully it's going to be... Um, it's going to be a blessing to you guys. I'm sure that the guys are going to be blessed by what Carol and Kim share anyway. So, All right. Um, as I began to pray and think about what to share, um, I went from a position of really thinking, I don't know what I'm going to say to them, to having tons of things that I wanted to say. And it was amazing. You know how it can go like that sometimes? You think you haven't got anything, then you start and there's tons. So that's where it was, and um, I actually had to, in the end, ask God, God, would you sift this through so that I say the things that you want me to say? And, uh, and I felt God was, was gracious enough to just help me with that. Um, what I want to say right from the outset is um, I want to commend you first as women of God who have chosen to face some of the, the more challenging and culturally awkward issues uh, which many of you have faced and um, I think that we are swimming against such a tide of um, contrary opinion to biblical truth and uh, I know that uh, nowadays the church has and when I say the church I mean the church across the board has succumbed to much of the world's philosophy on so many things and um, I think that the great challenge before us is standing up for the word of God and saying, listen, this is truth. And even if it flies in the face of modern opinion, we are a people who are committed to truth. And even if that truth means that I appear to be lower in your eyes, I would rather be right with God and lower in your eyes than actually surrender truth. And, um, but I know that that's not an easy thing. I know it's a big deal. And um, so I want to commend you for the way in which you uh, have responded to that. And I'm particularly addressing many of you ladies in, in Living Light, uh, just because I've, I've walked through the, these things through with many of you over the years. But I believe it's true for all of us who want to stand on biblical principles, that, it's, that it, it does, it flies in the face of modern culture and the church's tendency to cave on these issues is a phenomenon to me.
the way that the church is so often trying to conform to the world's way of doing things just to be acceptable um, I think is an appalling thing and I believe it dishonors God and I believe it robs us of the critical truth that we need to be living by and I know that you ladies haven't done that and I want to encourage you because you know what our God has never had a problem standing with a, min a minority never you know, when we look at our Bibles, we will find that God is often standing with a minority who are standing for truth. In fact, with his presence, they are no longer a minority. We aren't actually the minority because God is with us. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we stand for biblical truth, we don't stand as a small pocket of resistance. We stand with the host of heaven behind us. We stand with our God behind us, and we are the majority. So we must never forget that. It says in Hebrews 11, talking of those people of faith that are listed there, it said that they were looking for a better country, a heavenly one. And it says, therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. He is preparing a city for them. Um, I believe that when we stand for truth, God stands with us in such a way that, um, that he's not ashamed to be called our God. That's a good thing, isn't it? Isn't it great that God's not ashamed to be called our God? Because whenever we stand for truth, he's saying, I don't care what the world says. And I don't even care, in a sense, what, what, what traditional church might say or what compromised church might say. Outside of that, God is preparing for us a city, a country that is better than this. So, Another thing I think that we've stood for over the years is not just giving lip service and token gesture to important biblical truth um, you know there's a way in which we can just skip over difficult passages of scripture there's a way in which we can just give lip service to it we there's a way in which we can accept um, bad doctrine because it fits our situation and we've been determined not to do that over the years and I just believe that God is going to honor that in a major way uh, but in the midst of it it can, be, it can be a problem, can't it? Because some of those difficult scriptures, which many churches will choose to avoid now, or come at, with a completely different angle, would be scriptures that include issues of wives submitting to their husbands. Um, there are many, many churches now that are trying to find a loophole in these clear biblical statements. And obviously we've made, a per, we've made a stance and said, no, we believe this to be the case. We believe that God has both government and order in the outworking of his purpose, which even if it doesn't seem to be culturally acceptable, we believe it carries the wisdom of God. And even though some might look at us scornfully because of those things, we've determined to say, no, we're going for the truth anyway. And you know what, guys, even outside of what the world thinks or what the compromised church thinks even within our own hearts we are challenged with the truth of these things aren't we and I, I've, I've watched my wife firsthand choose to submit to my authority when I'm acting like an idiot when I'm being stubborn when I'm wrong and I know I'm wrong and I've watched her graciously stand on what she knows to be truth. 
You see, because it, it, it's not a guarantee that because this order's here, that it's always going to flow smoothly. How many of you know that we often have to stand on the truth when everything against us is saying the opposite? Isn't that true? And so I've seen her do that, and, and I've been blessed in my heart because when I've come through my stupidity and I've turned around and gone back to her and apologized and asked her forgiveness, um, I've been able to look back and say and see that she was committed to the truth not just when things were good. She was committed to the truth not just when she's doctrinally arguing something, but she's committed to the truth in the reality of life. You see, that's where it really counts. Our doctrine that doesn't translate to the reality of our life is just words. And your opinion, frankly, is no better than anybody else's. But when it actually translates to sacrifice, when, it trans when our love for God translates to a commitment that says, it doesn't matter how I feel, I'm going to do what's right in this situation. And I'm going to believe that the will and the way of God will come through. That's a wonderful thing when that happens, isn't it? So, again, I want to say to you that uh, um, I want to commend you. I think that you guys do an amazing job of this, even in being willing to take it on. I'm also amazed that um, I'm amazed at the measure of influence wives have when it comes to husbands growing into all that God has for them. I am completely convinced that the wife will make or break a husband. I'm convinced that you have that power. Which means that you must choose to do the will of God. Because you can choose not to and bring devastation to your husband. The influence, the power that you wield within the relational context is phenomenal. There is, outside of God himself, there is no force, including the devil, that can influence your husband's success more than you. I believe that, and I've seen this be the case, I've seen women of God choose to walk the way of godliness with husbands who I think have been morons. And I've seen those husbands actually become transformed through a godly wife. Honestly, I've seen that happen. I've seen guys, I've thought, this guy, you know, I just can't imagine he's going to do anything in life. But I've seen godly wives influence in such a way. Now, I'm not talking them taking control. I'm talking about them becoming a godly, them being the woman that God has called them to be, has, in the course of time, produced the husband they've, that they've wanted their husbands to become. And again, this is not through subtle manipulation. This is through women just being the women that God has called them to be. It can happen. So what I want to do in this session is I want to share with you what I couldn't share with you if Kim was in the room. <laughs> I want to share with you seven things that I see in my wife that have caused me to grow as a man of God. Seven things that help me be a man of God. Um, I want to say before I get into these seven points, my heart in this 
there is nothing in my heart that wants to just boast about how great Kim is. I wouldn't see any value in doing that. The only reason I'm doing this is because what I see in my wife and the, the points I'm going to make are to do with Christ in her, the hope of glory. And it's the very same Christ who is resident in you as is resident in her. I would not share these things with you if I didn't believe that you had equal access to the grace of God to see these things come through. And this list of seven things is not exhaustive. And many of you in this room perhaps surpass my wife in these things. But I just want to share with you from a husband's perspective the things that I value in my wife. And I hope that some of those things that you look at, you might say, right, I need to access the grace of God to improve in this area. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. All right, number one. And this particular one is put as number one for a reason. Because in many ways, this more than any other characteristic um, in Kim is the thing that I most appreciate. What I most appreciate in Kim is that she loves God more than me and more than the kids. She loves God more than me. I don't mean she loves God more than I love God, although she probably does. But she loves God more than she loves me, is what I'm saying. She loves God more than she loves me, more than she do loves the kids. Many women enter marriage or start marriage with a passion for God. But because they have a husband who doesn't have an equal passion for God, they end up backing off their passion for God for the sake of an easier life. Often women back off, they say, you know, I would be far more involved in the things of God, but I have a husband who is not interested to the same degree that I am. And because of that, they have grown cold in their passion for God. Now listen, guys, I understand that there is a sensitivity that you have to have to your husband and the person who leads you in the Lord. But it is not ever an excuse for losing your love and passion for God. You might not be able to get to every meeting you'd like to get to, but that's not an excuse to lose your passion for God. I have seen my wife over the years as we've had four children in fast succession go from being somebody who was at everything to being somebody who wasn't at everything. Somebody who had responsibilities that caused her to be, have to miss lots of things that she would have loved to have been involved with. But you know what? I've seen her sustain her love for God in those times. She doesn't love God less now than when she was going out with me. It's just the same. She's maintained her passion for God, her love for the Lord. Don't make your husband's lack of passion your excuse for losing your love for God. I know this is not relevant to everybody, but I think it's relevant to some of you. You know, I love the fact... Now you say, well, it's a weird thing to appreciate most in your wife. It's not to me. My, my security lies in the fact that my wife loves God more than she loves me. I'm not insecure about that. I'm delighted about that. It's helped me overcome fear of death. Do you know lots of men fear death? Do you know that? 
And you know what? He probably never talks to you about it. But lots of men fear death. And the reason they fear death is because they carry responsibility. They live in... The easiest person to sell life insurance to is a guy with a lot of kids because he fears death. Fear of death is a great challenge to many men. Sometimes they don't know it's what they fear, but that's what they fear. They fear disaster. They fear death. But you know what? Having a wife who loves God more than anything else released me from that fear. Because I thought, as I, the more I dwelled on it, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that she knows her confidence is in God. I know her confidence is in God. The children grow up knowing that their parents love God more than they love them. Because when it comes to the kids' demands, those demands come after the call of God on their parents' lives. Which means little Billy is not going to be doing six different sports. Why? Because mum and dad are committed to the purposes of God. So Billy's going to have to understand that whatever modern American culture dictates as normal, that's not a normal we live by anymore. That's an indication of parents who love God more than each other and more than their children. And it's a battle in our day. The second thing that I love about Kim is that Kim is faithful. She's faithful. My wife, my wife was hard to win. Some of you know the story, and I'm not going to go into it because my ego won't allow me. But my wife was hard to win. But having been one, she has displayed nothing but complete faithfulness to me. She's faithful to me. She's faithful to bring the truth to me, whether I want to hear it or not. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, the scripture says. She's faithful. It never crosses my mind at any point that Kim will be anything else but faithful to me. It's a tremendous security. Does your husband feel that about you, ladies? Would your husband say the same thing about you? She's faithful. I never give her faithfulness a second thought. She's completely faithful. Her life is not dragged off on romantic getaways in her mind continually. You know, we often hear about, we often address pornography when we're addressing men. But can I just say this? There is a pornography for women which is in the realm of romantic fantasy and escapism which is just as pervasive and dangerous as pornography to men. Can I just say this? If your husband knows that your heart is in romantic la-la land most of the time, it will not produce security in your husband. You need to be careful of fantasy. You need to be careful of romantic escape. Because usually your fantasy and romantic escape will not center around your husband. It will center around other concepts, other people, or even the notions and the imaginations of your own mind. Some of you might be thinking, nah, that's not me at all. I don't know what you're talking about. That's fine. But some of you will know what I'm talking about. 
Kim's faithful. The third thing I want to say um, about Kim is that Kim values kingdom advance over all practical and natural advances in life. This is huge. Kim values, I know some of you are writing this stuff down, so I'll say it again. Kim values kingdom advance over all practical and natural advances. In other words, Kim is more passionate about the advance of the kingdom of God and his purposes than she is about getting a bigger house or a better car or nicer clothes. Now, I think it's easy to say amen to this, but I'll tell you something. If all your husband hears is comments about things that you want to improve of a natural level, what you theologically agree with in this room doesn't mean anything. Because a husband, no matter how dull they might be, will eventually pick up on what your values are and what you talk about from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. You hear what I'm saying, ladies? From the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, she's always talking about that car. She's always talking about this holiday. She's always talking about that house. Yeah, I know we love the Lord and we, but she's just, she talks about it all the time. I know it's what really matters to her. Guys, it's not that Kim doesn't like nice things. Don't get me wrong. It's not that we, you know, drive a junker and live in a dump. We're not, I'm not saying that, but, but what I'm saying is it's abundantly clear to me that we could sell whatever we have at any point and it would be not more than a passing regret for Kim because she's given to the purposes of God. Now, I'm saying these things to you guys because you will, influ you will influence your husband to be the man of God that God's called him to be. But if he picks up a different value system in you, in the things that you talk about, he'll end up drifting towards that value system, not kingdom values. I think it's so often that we kind of, we want our cake and eat it, you know? We want a man of God who's sold out for God, but we also want all these other things. I think you've got to choose what you want. And if your heart is to be with a man who's given to the, the purposes of God, then you've got to display to that man that when he makes kingdom decisions, you're right there behind him. That when he says, you know what, dear? I felt the Lord say that we're to move into this area, which is not such a nice area. And we've got to sell our house. And I, I feel God saying step back from the things. That, and, and you know what? I feel that we... Maybe we just need to get rid of the TV for a while or whatever. That, that your response is one of, if it's for the kingdom, if it's in serving God, I'm right there. I'm not part of your fight. When God spoke to me about leaving the security of Kenosha and going to the UK and planting a church where I knew nobody, um, taking my kids away from, from my, 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 my wife's mother and, and father who living around the corner 
away from the church that she'd grown up in all her life, pretty much. You know what? It, it didn't even occur to me that the issues would be with Kim. All of my thoughts were the church. How would the church be? How would Tim be? How would Don be? What are we going to do about the building? It didn't even occur to me. Now, you might be thinking, you're the most thoughtless husband I've ever heard of in my life. Guys, it didn't occur to me because I knew her values. I knew that the moment that she knew this is God, it wouldn't matter. Wouldn't matter if it was Timbuktu, wouldn't matter. I value this in my wife. It allows me to be a man of God. It allows me to be a man who can make a decision and know that my wife is totally for me in it. Number four, Kim knows me and yet still believes in me. I love the fact that she knows me. Kim is not some starry-eyed girl. She's not wowed by my gifting, which is greatly overrated in the eyes of many people. How many of you know that you don't live with an elder? You don't go to bed with an apostle. Go to bed with a person. We overrate giftings tremendously. You don't live with gifts, you live with character. I remember one time hearing um, a guy called C.J. Mahaney teach years ago when I was about 18, and he was saying that he was at a conference, and this, there was a particular speaker at this conference that was amazing. He was one of these names. He didn't say what the guy's name was, but he said one of these guys that everybody knew and thought was fantastic. He was speaking at this conference, and his wife was there, and he said that he had the opportunity to sit with this man of God at the lunch break. And he and his friend, Larry Tomzak, sat with this man at the lunch break and talked with him. And at a certain point, his wife came in, came to the table and asked her husband a question. And her husband answered in a kind of short way. And the wife turned to Larry and CJ and said, my husband, the great teacher, the man who talks a great fight and does nothing and stormed off. And Larry and CJ sat there at that point and said, this must never happen in our lives. But you know what? We live in a culture which is so enamored and impressed by gifting that character things are often overlooked. Shall I tell you a little secret? When you're hearing somebody speak, if their partner's in the room, Take a glance at their partner from time to time. It'll give you some insights to the reality of that person's life. You've got a partner who's disinterested. You've got a partner who's... Do you see something in that? No, it must never be that way. It must never be that way, but it can be that way. I appreciate with my wife that she knows me and yet she still believes in me. You know, knowing somebody and believing in them, it ties in with this issue of forgiveness and willingness to give them another chance in things. You know them. You see, Kim knows me. She knows that I'm, I screw up. I mess up. 
and yet I find in her forgiveness because she believes in me. Can I ask you this, ladies? Do, does your husband know that you believe in them? It's a big question. That you believe in them. Do you know men's egos are ridiculous? Do you know that? We have these ridiculous egos. And we don't show it because you kind of grow up and you're trained not to show it. But you have this massive ego. And your wife's opinion is probably the biggest issue. Now, you might not think this. Because you might think, well, my husband, if, if all the guys at work think he's great, all the, he's... A, Listen, if your husband has a sense that you are unimpressed with him, it is so undermining to who he is that it will massively affect him. If he thinks that you think that he's a loser, he feels like a loser. Does your husband ever feel... Does your husband ever feel like a loser because of the way you interact with him? I've seen many times wives make comments to their husband in public and in front of other people which have been so undermining. And Kim and I have both gone away and said, how does that guy ever get up off his knees? How does this guy ever stand with that type of undermining going on? You've got to believe in the man that God's put you with. If you have no faith for him, there's no hope. If you have no faith for him, how is he going to become the man that he's supposed to be? Don't you realize that God put you with him to help him? How can you help him if you have no faith in him? You can't. A faithless helper is no helper at all. In fact, a faithless helper is worse than no helper at all. Let me say that again. A faithless helper is worse than no helper at all. You've got to believe in the man that God's joined your life to. The fifth thing, this is one that I probably couldn't say if Kim was here. Kim has always welcomed me sexually and with passion. I'm going to say something which in my mind is a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon. I've been married for 12 years to Kim now, and there has never, not once, in 12 years, been a time when she has not welcomed me with passion sexually. Never once in 12 years. And I'm not stupid enough to think it's because I'm all that. because she's all that but I said to you before guys men have got a very fragile ego and they might brush it off but they're not brushing anything off you hear me sisters they're not brushing anything off in their heart they are diminished they are diminished in the same way as you are diminished I could talk more on this one, but I won't. Kim is committed to being my closest friend 
and she has established her identity in our oneness. Kim is committed to being my closest friend and she has established her identity in our oneness. I am often saddened by the things that both husbands and wife, wives disclose to Kim and I in our role as shepherds and carers of people that they can't share with each other. I'm often saddened by that. I'm saddened by the fact that Kim in a conversation with a lady in the church will often hear things that this lady feels about her husband that she has not shared with her husband or feels unable to share with her husband. You know why that saddens me? Because God has intended that their relationship be the closest relationship on earth. And you say, well, yeah, but if you've got a husband who just doesn't listen well, and then you need to be committed to helping him listen better. What you don't do is develop a little circle of friends which are now your intimate relationships outside of your marriage. To do that is to destine your marriage to shallowness for the rest of your days. I know that Kim doesn't share anything with anybody that she couldn't and doesn't share with me. And she knows the same with me. She knows that I don't pull a little group of guys together and talk to them about things I can't talk to her about because we're committed to oneness. How can I have a more intimate relationship than somebody that God has joined me to to such an extent that I am now one with that person? Now I tell you, I, I know it's easy to say these things, but they're, they're hard to live by, aren't they? Because there's times when you want to share stuff. Guys, when you come to that time, what you need to do is you need to spend time with your husband working with him to get to a place where perhaps both of you can talk with people outside of yourselves to get help what you don't do is break a confidence and go and share with other people we need to be committed to oneness we've got to have that we, we talked about this wonderful vision but the reality of this is worked out in our communications and relationships. And finally, Kim submits to my leadership willingly and not grudgingly. Kim submits to my leadership willingly and not grudgingly. You know, with a willing submission, it draws in you a desire to care and lead. I've talked to people many times about this, even on this conference it's come up several times. Husbands who are continually reminding wives that they are the head of the, ham the family, that you have to submit to me. And what I always say to brothers who ask that question, I said, you know what, in 12 years of leading Kim, I've never had to remind her of that. I've never introduced myself to anybody on the basis of 
Hi, I'm John, this is Kim, who submits to me. I don't have to reinforce that truth. It is something that she lives by. And because her spirit is submissive, now hear me on this, guys, because her spirit is submissive, it produces in me a willingness and desire to lead. I want to lead Kim because she makes leading easy. She makes leading a pleasure. It's a pleasure to lead her. These are some nice things to say about your wife. But I want to ask you this question. If your husband had to speak this afternoon, what would his seven points be? And how would he do with the seven points that I've brought up? Now, I'm not saying this, ladies, to bring any, any measure of condemnation to you at all. I'm saying these things to you because I believe that there is grace in God available for you. Now, I know that many of you will look at these things and say, yes, but my situation. Can I say something to you guys? I prayed through this list of things and I determined before the Lord that these are issues that are nothing to do with situation. These are to do with character and godliness. Character and godliness are not determined by situation. They're not determined by circumstance. There is no excuse before God not to receive grace in these areas. And I say these things to you to encourage you in the way that you're already going. It's not like I'm saying, right, here's seven things here that you guys don't have anything of. Not at all. Some of you, I am sure, surpass Kim on these things, or at least some of these things. But what I'm saying for all of you, there needs to be a growing in these areas. For all of you, every one of us, there needs to be a growing in godly character, doesn't there? Grace of God is available for you in these things. I know that Christ is in you to form these things so that when like I did last night I speak of this wonderful lofty amazing high vision of what marriage is sisters this is what it translates to it doesn't translate to just being able to articulate some great truths it translates to these types of principles if we're gonna have the type of marriage that glorifies God that speaks of his kingdom and his order and his authority will represent these things. Our marriages will reflect these things. Amen? It's exciting to listen to John. So that's kind of reminded on how it's God's intent for that to be part of every woman, not just Kim. A lot of the things that John has shared, I see in my wife, Carol. You know, and I, um, one of the things is that Carol does, and she lets me know is she fights for the private time that she can have with God. And she lets me know that. Like for her, it's about nine o'clock in the morning. And if you have children and you have a busy schedule, you work, it's good to let your husband know when is the time that you can have your private time with God. Because in our busy world sometimes, it's so easy, especially if you're a working mother, to go through the motions and you're tired at the end of the day and you never have the time before God. 
So it's good to have that. Let your husband know when it is, and whenever the best time may be, it may be in the morning, it may be at noon, or it may be in the evening, but let him know so he can protect that time so that you can have that fellowship with God. Because I know that Carol's at her greatest when she's been touched by God, okay? Not only that, it's good to study in Scripture about how God created you. God created you beautiful. And it's good for you to know that. That's why when you talk, you see in Ephesians 5, what the Lord's talking about, he's molding his bride to be without spot in blemish. And when God looks at it, my bride is going to be beautiful. Look at yourself as being the example of the bride of Christ. See a beauty in yourself. God sees a beauty in you. When you see a beauty in yourself, and you'll know that God sees it, you know what the husband will see? He'll see the beauty in you. If you feel that about way about yourself, and it don't make a difference you're tall, wide, or whatever it is, the husband is mostly impressed with what your heart is like. You see and understand. That's why it's good to know, who am I in Christ? Okay? Because I'll tell you what can happen. When I, I tell, the greatest part of my life is when I go home and see my wife. No matter how busy it may be at work or what kind of a challenging day it's been. When I go home and I see Carol, I see the smile on her face, I see the warmth on her face, it lifts me up. There's a joy that comes from her that I receive and I'm lifted up when I go home. It's not that I meet the day with somebody grumbling and frustrated. I know that she is what she is because she's touched God. And any time that, that the women are touching God, the husband is pleased. He is happy. It should be the most exciting part of his life when he meets his wife. I tell you sometimes the, the woman at, at work, you know, when they go to work, they're dressed up and they got their hair combed really nice. Your husbands are coming home from work. Is it more impressive what takes place at the office and how the women look at the office? Or is he just impressed the way we look, you look, when he comes home? One of the things is Carol always likes it when I call her and tell her on my way home. I always thought that it was because she wanted, wanted to know if, I, if I'm going past the store to pick up some groceries. No. I got to find out she likes to have her hair combed. She likes to be ready so that when I come in the door, I have met and, and seen the smile on her face. Mentally getting yourself ready for your husband. You're the greatest joy of his life. You're the greatest encouragement. We men, we act strong. We talk, tough, talk, you know, the tough talk. But you know something inside? Inside there's a weakness. And you women, God has made you women in such a way that you really make us feel like men. There is sometimes I get beat up in the marketplace. But when I come home, my wife makes me feel like I'm a mighty man of God. And sometimes when you've been beat up out there and you've not, it's difficult sometimes even to touch God for us men. But when I come home and my wife ministers to me that way, it, I tell you, makes me feel good inside. I am so thankful for Carol because of what she is to me. There is times that, that in my praying, because there you don't talk about Sometimes I can't, I don't hear God because I'm so involved in everything. God uses my wife many times to speak to me because I'm not in the trials of life.
sometimes we get so caught up of it. I've not heard God. And scripture talks about where there are two or more together. Scripture talks where there's two together. And that's why it's so important for you spending the time with God. Because there's times your husband's going to have to hear from God and it might have to come to you. That's very important. Your husband needs you. Doesn't need always the grumpy. He needs you. Because you're the helpmate that can help him become a better man. Make him more complete. You follow what I'm saying to that? So, and the next thing is, learn. I know that many times because we husbands sometimes are not always perfect. We're the head of the house, but we're not perfect. Forgive us when we've not been what we're supposed to have been. And when you're fast to forgive, God now can work on the husband. There's something about forgiveness, something about release, that when we, as women, when you do that,